Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. You're going to double-team Booker and Durant. Making other people score and have to try to beat you has not worked the last few possessions for the Nuggets. Shabbat! Durant and Booker back and forth. Two-man game. Five to shoot. Booker gives it up. Warren, one to shoot. The leaner is good! T.J. Warren, who went over 700 days between NBA games, coming through in the fourth quarter for Phoenix. You don't play him unless you know you can trust him defensively. Alley-oop, and Davis throws it down. Perfect pass from Schroeder. That one's going to go. I don't believe it. It's happened again, the second consecutive game. The Nationals have taken a one-run lead with a ninth-inning home run. Last night, Lane Thomas. Today, Joey Manessis, just his second this year. Embiid bullies his way inside. Out to Harden for the three. Got it! Celtics are going to play. Down by one. Ten seconds to play. Tatum. Smart. Got it! Did it count? I think he got it off. Did not get it off in time, it appeared. It appeared to be late. They're going to review it by rule because it went through the basket as the time expired. Thinks it's baseball. <laughs> Shot clock down to one. Butler from the baseline. Count it. When the moment is big, Butler always meets it. Here's the 3-1. Fly ball, left center field, it's deep, Soto going back to the wall, and it's gone, a home run! Mookie Betts with a two-out home run, his sixth of the year, has tied the score at two. The 0-1, and a high fly ball to right, headed toward the jury box, it's back, and it is gone, a home run! Bush with the RBI single, and now the other rookie, Outman, with a two-run home run. The Dodgers down to their last out in the ninth, score three in the tenth, and have a 5-2 lead. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Monday, May 8th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2100.7. The Suns, are you surprised they won games three and four against the Nuggets? Lakers, Warriors, who you got tonight, ATS. The Diamondbacks, will they reach the postseason with this pitching staff? Celtics and Sixers is Joe Mazzulla being outcoached by Doc Rivers. Heat Knicks, who you got tonight, ATS. On the diamond, what stood out from an outstanding weekend of series throughout Major League Baseball? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction to today's pipeline. 
9.15 or so. We'll go around the NBA with Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup. That includes some Suns and Nuggets analysis. Final segment of the Sports Zone. It'll be the National Roundup. That'll include from the scoreboard, from the baseball weekend a little bit, and also the latest line. Then after the Sports Zone from 11 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include more Suns, Nuggets, and uh, kind of a review of a great MLB weekend. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, are you surprised the Suns won games three and four versus the Nuggets? And Kayla is here and has the early returns. Yes, leading the way at 67% of the vote, no trailing at 33%. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant have been point-scoring machines, but the Suns' bench contributed with T.J. Warren making big shots in the Game 3 win on Friday night and then in Game 4 on on Sunday night. Landry Shamet delivered at both ends of the floor in the fourth quarter. What else stood out to you during the Suns' home court victories over the Nuggets? Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, who you got tonight ATS in Los Angeles? The Lakers minus three or the Warriors plus three? And Kayla, what's going on here? Uh, right now we have the Warriors plus three at 57.1% of the vote. Lakers minus three at 42.9%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. After game one came down to the final seconds, the last two games have been lopsided with really zero fourth quarter drama. What or who will be an X-Factor tonight in the Warriors and Lakers game number four? Meanwhile, back on the local front, the Diamondbacks pitching staff continues to have issues. The bullpen gave up the lead in the ninth inning the last two days against the Nationals. And uh, this is against the Nationals team that is next to last in National League runs scored. Will the Diamondbacks reach the postseason with multiple, um, let's see, how can we say this? Multiple pitching staff issues? Let's call it that. Do they need to make additions at some point here to make the postseason? Meanwhile, Spain the globe, back to the NBA postseason. The Celtics and Sixers are tied after uh, actually uh, James Harden, another offensive explosion for him. And the Celtics not even getting a shot off in the final possession after the uh, time before the time clock expired the shot clock expired the Celtics Nick this is a legitimate question is Joe Mazzulla being outcoached by the Sixers Doc Rivers meanwhile on the uh, marquee for today in addition to the Lakers and Warriors the Heat and Knicks meet in game 4 at Miami so who you got tonight ATS in Miami the Heat minus 4 or the Knicks plus 4 Meanwhile, the Dodgers prevailed in uh, their uh, first series of the season against the Padres. They play again this upcoming weekend. Uh, Mookie Betts tied the Sunday rubber game of the uh, series with the ninth inning home run. Two outs off Josh Hader before the Dodgers scored three more runs in the tenth inning and the eventual 5-2 victory. What stood out to you from the baseball weekend? They had all kinds of series. Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, Rays. Twins, Guardians, Orioles, Braves, 
Astros Mariners. All lots of stuff going on in those uh, five series, and there was actually more, but I kind of narrowed it down to five. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That is today's Pipeline. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the Pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity if you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad you'll be the target of this coming up next Corey will have a news update that'll be followed by around the nba playoffs we'll cover all four conference semi-final series with dan faville bleacher report Bottom of the hour, once again, it'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion at that point. Also, in the bottom of the hour segment, we'll get to some local roundup. We'll have some more analysis of uh, the Suns and Nuggets. Uh, the Suns uh, win the two games over the weekend, so four games in the series. Home teams 4-0, and zero, so the Suns, to advance, are going to have to win a game in Denver at some point. That would either be, according to my math, either Game 5 tomorrow night or Game 7 later on this week. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Suns won twice at home to uh, deadlock their series against the Nuggets. To go around the NBA playoffs, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the Sports Zone by Dan Favale, Bleacher Report. And Dan, always good to have you in the show. And before we break down the four conference semifinal series, which team do you think is actually playing the best in these playoffs to date? Um, man, that's a great question. I think you probably have to look at the teams remaining. I gravitate most towards Miami. When you look at some of the personnel that they have available, they've won ugly, but they've gotten some really good games from their supporting cast. Uh, Jimmy Butler, even while missing that game with an ankle injury, he's been spectacular for most of the playoffs, and I think they've put together the most complete performance through the first and second round so far. Always a good response to the first question when you say that I'm asking a great question. So good job there. Thank you. Uh, okay, So we'll continue. Uh, the Suns, uh, they deadlocked their series with the Nuggets. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant obviously provided almost all the scoring, it seems. Even though Monty Booker certainly has made – Monty Williams, excuse me, has made some uh, you know rotation changes. How can Michael Malone and the Nuggets at least try to slow down or do something differently against Booker and Durant? Um, you know, I don't know how much differently they can get. They can throw two at the ball more frequently, but then you just run the risk because those two are playing so many minutes together, even though Chris Paul is available right now. 
Um, you put yourself in sort of a pick-your-poison situation, and maybe you trust Kevin Durant to make the, the right play less um, in, in those coverages than you would Devin Booker, who's just a better passer and more familiar with Phoenix's um, supporting cast overall. But when you look at some of the shots they're hitting, especially what Devin Booker has been doing, especially over these last two games, um, it doesn't feel like they have sort of a, a concrete answer. And I think the biggest thing they could do is maybe you just lean into the Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell Pope lineup. And that's going to probably mean less minutes for, for Michael Porter Jr. when he played 40-plus in Game 4, or even maybe fewer minutes for, for Jamal Murray, depending on who you're going to sub out for that. That seems like the one nuclear adjustment that uh, Michael Malone can still maybe make. Meanwhile, you know, oftentimes, you know, bench players or, you know, deep uh, you know, starters play better at home and on the road. That's certainly been the case in this series. So who, uh, other than the big two for Denver, who most needs to step up in game three and, uh, or excuse me, game five uh, on uh, Tuesday night and beyond for Denver? Um, I think you're going to need a bigger game for Michael Porter Jr. He had an okay um, game three on the road, but uh, he was two of nine from three in, in game four, and that's someone who, whether he's wide open or shooting over the top of someone, you just need that extra offensive punch. Um, and uh, I think that, without a doubt, he's the one that you want to see a big game from in game in game five. And if it's not going to be him, you don't really have that other like detonative offensive option. Aaron Gordon can give you that sometimes, and so can KCP. That's not necessarily their games. And you, when you also look at Michael Porter Jr., like he's going to be responsible for you know some one-on-one defensive assignments that maybe you'd rather not have him be in, but he's still going to have to defend well in them to, to hang on the court, or he's going to need to play um, except, exceptional help defense when the Nuggets are going to be more aggressive with their coverages in front of him. And so that's someone who could very much be a barometer for, for how they're faring in Game 5. So what else should we look for as far as you know, any changes from either team in, in Game 5 on Tuesday night? I'll just be very interested to see if Monty Williams continues um, playing the guys that he did specifically in uh, Game 4. We didn't see uh, a lot of Corey Craig in that game. We saw a lot more of Jock Landale. Um, we saw some limited playing time from uh, DeAndre Ayton. Didn't even, he was just over 27 minutes, and I know he did have four fouls. In this one, but Landale, it's been a better series for him than it has been for DeAndre Ayton, who has also struggled a lot defensively. That's with the caveat that you can't really stop Nicole Jokic. But I'm just very curious to see what the minutes distribution will look like outside of the you know the two players in Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant. Are you going to see even maybe a little bit as much as you need the ball handling? You're going to see even less of of campaign while Chris Paul's out since he struggled this series and Landry Shamit's coming off this this monster game. Do you lean on him even a little bit more? So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Monty Williams continues distributing the minutes beyond Durant and, and Devin Booker for Phoenix. You, know, you mentioned uh, the defense and trying to guard Jokic. Uh, the Suns have, you know, the double team stats, those things are a little murky sometimes, but the thing I read this morning is they've double teamed him seven times in the first four games of this series. Is it a good idea to try to double-team him more, or is he such a good passer that just kind of defeats the purpose? Uh, I tend to lean towards the latter, that I think it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. But when you're getting such rocky shooting performances from the perimeter, from basically everybody else on the roster, um, even Jamal Murray, who you did a, they did a great job of um, you know kind of keeping him off the three-point line in, in game four. Um, like, you could be – in. In theory, you can be more aggressive when the supporting cast is struggling that much, and that's why it's so important that a guy like Aaron Gordon or a guy like Michael Porter Jr. is moving off the ball, um, KCP as well, or Michael Porter Jr. is just hitting his standalone three-pointers because that's going to give 
the Nuggets even less of an incentive to be aggressive at Jokic. And you'd like to see Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray specifically capitalize on some skill coverage that, that they're seeing as well. So who wins the series? Uh, I had Nuggets in six at the start. Uh, I guess I would maybe shift that to, to Nuggets in seven. I've been super impressed with what I've seen from Phoenix over the, the past two games. But I do think that um, Denver does, with its roster, have a little bit more buses to push as you look to make adjustments over the, the course of a, of a longer series. Uh, I do think the big caveat here is we're watching it right now. It's just the star power at the top of Phoenix's roster clearly outbeats that of of Denver. Um, Devin Booker has just been absolutely mind-melting, and Kevin Durant has largely gotten back on track. And to have those two guys, when Denver still just doesn't have that reliable, consistent number two on defense or offense, for that matter, um, it does put them in a little bit of a bind. All right, Dan, the Lakers won on Saturday night against the Warriors. How should Golden State try to do things differently tonight, I guess, especially, well, really at both ends of the floor? Um, I do think they need to be uh, more aggressive with how they're going to cover Anthony Davis. Uh, he's had sort of this weird pattern of every other game. He's really looking to attack on offense when he gets the ball or moving downhill. Um, and they have pulled Draymond off that assignment at points, but we also saw that when Draymond was on AD, I think it was in game two, that they were able to, that Golden State was able to find some success. And so I, I would expect to maybe see uh, more of that. But they, you know, they looked pretty lifeless. Um, a lot of the time in, in game three. And so I think they're going to be, um, first and foremost, more progressive with how they're going at AD in game four. Okay, speaking of that, you mentioned the inconsistency. Rarely is he had consecutive games in the playoffs, uh, Davis, that have been you know, highly effective. Uh, is there something that they can do differently, or is this just the thing that he has to do differently? I do think the Lakers could stand to put him in more inventive spots on offense, uh, when when he struggled in a lot of his games, he's just not getting to to the basket, and he really wasn't getting to the basket at the start of the series against Golden State. And so it's a matter of having him set more ball screens so that he can roll, or when he's getting the ball at the, the top of the key, like he, he's settling a lot of the time. Um, he needs to try and put the ball on the deck, and if the Warriors aren't giving him space, that's when you make the decision as, as a passer, can you kick it out and, and find someone else? I don't know if that's an, a fatigue thing with him because he's not only playing a bunch of minutes, but he is responsible for, for so much defensively. And they have him needing to contest jumpers while protecting the rim, which is basically an impossible responsibility, but it's something that he, he can handle on some nights. And then other nights it doesn't look like he can. And so I think it's, it's, it's a thing about both parties, but I think the Lakers have to do a better job of maybe even simplifying his life on offense a bit more or at least putting him in situations where – they're carving out space or at least getting his movement to go downhill. Can the Warriors, you know, they haven't exactly been a model consistency offensively from game to game. Is there something that they can do differently? Yeah, I mean, they they need to do a better job of getting to the basket overall as well. That's tough when you do have AD on the floor and when that's not the strength of your roster anyway. Uh, but there's a lot of variance in their three-point shooting where, yes, you can be super hot one night, but then another night you're going to see Clay Thompson go three of nine, Dante DiVincenzo go one of five, Jordan Poole go 0 of four like they did in, in game three. And I think what they did get away from, which worked out very well for them in game two, is you just didn't have the ball in Steph's hands as much. You were running more sort of just traditional pick and rolls in that game, and then you got away from it, it felt like, for, for most, if not all of of game three and so that would be something else i would expect them to explore because no that's not necessarily going to generate more rim pressure though it could if you have draymond and kavon moody setting screens 
but putting the ball in Steph Curry's hands is just a way to create chaos, even more so than when you have him moving without the ball. And if you're going to play a lot of one big lineups anyway, um, I think you're in a position to where you don't need him off the ball because it's not as critical to put it in Draymond's hands so that you preserve the spacing. So who wins tonight? Uh, I think the Warriors will win. This feels like it's going to be sort of a punchy back-and-forth series. And I would just be – I'd be shocked if they lost two in a row um, – uh, against this, this Lakers team. I know they've struggled on the road all year, but I think that they miss a lot of three-point looks that they'll probably end up hitting. And then you kind of look at the Lakers. They've had their own up-and-down issues that we've already talked about. They're going to have to decide, will this be a good good D'Angelo Russell game? And then they also kind of have to decide, well, how much does Jared Vanderbilt play when the Warriors just aren't even really defending him on the offensive end? And so um, this feels like it might be a series filled with blowouts or maybe a lot of ugly games that just goes back and forth. Uh, I still think Golden State needs to be the favorites come out of it, though. Okay, let's flip this to the Eastern Conference. The Heat and the Knicks also play tonight. Not to simplify things, but I'm going to simplify this question. Is this series basically if Jimmy Butler plays, Miami wins? Uh, Basically, I would say. And right now, it's just the Knicks offense does not look like it's equipped to go up against Miami in general. I mean, they didn't even have a great game when Jimmy Butler missed it in game two and you know they've responded well to some bad stretches in the past this season but they need to be um, more aggressive on the offensive end and they need to not settle as much not rely on mid-range jumpers as heavily while while the heat are making so many threes they need to get back in transition off their misses it just feels like they have some different cards that they can play um, but it just feels like it's the top of their personnel um, is just too inconsistent and just the way that they've been playing is, is incredibly uninspiring when you're looking specifically at their, their half-court offense, even defensively. Like Julius Randle having another bad game defensively in um, game three. Like just his closeouts just being all over the place or, or non-existent. So this is a series that, you know, I don't know if I would just predict beating five at this point, but it's one that Miami feels like it's thoroughly going to win. You mentioned the Heat and their three-point shooting, which was kind of – erratic at best during the regular season it was certainly good against milwaukee it's been good in this series is this just too of a small sample size too much of a small sample size to come up with a conclusion here is there something to it i i think there might be something to it just because some of the guys that struggle during the regular season are are coming on now look at a gabe benson or max drews even a even a kyle lowry and it's a small sample size, so you don't want to place too much stock into it. But the heat's efficiency did at least start to turn shortly after the All-Star break a little bit. And so the fact that we've seen a lot of these players do it before and the fact that you know even Jimmy Butler's jump shot looks more effective in the playoffs, that seems to happen every year. I think you can buy into it. And the fact that they're now ahead in their second straight playoff series against what was a, you know, forget about these, but just a better regular season team than them. Um, I think you have to take it seriously. Now, do you buy in the supporting cast long-term as they can just stand pat and continue to maybe contend for a title? That's a different discussion, but I, I don't think that we can just sit here and expect Miami shooting to cool off because it has cooled off a little bit in this series relative to the Milwaukee series and still been good enough to just put uh, its opponent in, in really awkward situations. And it was enough to change the Knicks' offensive game plan in the second half of uh game three where they didn't take enough threes in the the first half they just came out firing in the second half because they knew they had that huge deficit in the cup sixers and the celtics are deadlocked headed back to boston you know the first game uh especially the first game and really even some on sunday uh the basically 
the, the Sixers got the switches that they wanted. Um, you know, Harden was being guarded, you know, by Horford a lot. Uh, yeah, last night, or excuse me, yesterday afternoon at the end of the game, lots of questions down the stretch. Uh, what Boston was doing defensively or obviously in the last possession. Are, is Joe Mazzulla being outcoached in this series by Doc Rivers? I don't know if he's being outcoached because he did make his own adjustments in game two um, when you look at how they were pressuring James Harden specifically. Um, you can question whether he should have called a timeout um, at the end of regulation where Boston ends up not even getting a shot off before the, the final buzzer. Um, but, like, Doc Rivers has – I think he's coached a, a pretty good series overall, but a lot of this has come down to um, what James Harden looks like on a game-to-game basis because there's just some nights where he has the burst to get past Al Horford or whoever is defending him, um, and other nights where he's going to need to settle or his three-point shot isn't falling. And you can pin some of it, hey, like let's throw more pressure at James Harden. Why didn't we see uh, even more of that? They were more focused, of course, on getting the ball out of Embiid's hands. So it's certainly a question to ask. I just don't think he's been um, as detrimental, I guess, to the Celtics or even making as much of a negative impact as people seem to be implying at this point. Let me just add one more thing to the, the, the you know the counterpoint there is, you know, they were so casual coming up the floor. I understand not calling a timeout. We've seen plenty of coaches do that. But, I mean, it was, you know, they could have uh, been in a little, shown some urgency and maybe gotten another possession out of the game. Um, again, yes, I would agree that there could have been a lot more urgency in that situation. Um, and I, I don't necessarily, under I understand that you're not to call a timeout if you're going to push the ball or you don't want Philly's defense to get set. And we saw them do it twice. Um, we saw it at the end of, end of the regulation. We saw it at the end of, of overtime. And yeah. so you're not going to face the urgency. Um, that's definitely worth criticism. Uh, but, you know, they were lucky to maybe even be in that situation because Jason Tatum got away with a, a push-off on that three-pointer to give them a two-point lead in the first place that kept the game within striking distance yeah. or only allowed to supply rather than go ahead. So I think it's a decision for sure. That's worth criticism. Um, I just don't know. I'd go as far as saying he's been out coached because I don't know that Doc Rivers has necessarily coached this this amazing of a series either all right so what are we looking for in game five uh, i think the barometer is going to be kind of like we were looking for in game two is just how are they going to defend james harden and if they're going to be more aggressive defending him can is that is that going to open more opportunities for joel Embiid, or if they're really able to put pressure on Embiid and also get the ball of harden's hand who's going to be the third guy on philly um and it, it has to be tyrese Maxey by default he's coming off a not so efficient game uh, game four, um, but it's going to have to be him if you're going to get one of those trademarks. It feels like every other Harden game, he kind of steps back a little bit, bit after after going off. And if it's not going to be him, can you get more out of Tobias Harris, who I think has done a good, relatively good job of making quick decisions with the ball, but he's just not been a consistent offensive presence himself. Yeah, I was just going to say too. You mentioned you know, Harden, the inconsistency. Maybe you just wait and see if it's a you know, good Harden game or a bad Harden game, and then act accordingly. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that could be for sure. But I do think part of the bad Harden game in Game Two is that Boston was a lot more aggressive in, uh, That's true. in going after him. So I'm just yeah. curious to see if they're going to make pull at that that string again. Okay, so who wins this series? I still think it's Boston. I originally had them in five. I thought Embiid was going to miss more than the initial game, and I wasn't sure what he was going to look like when he came back. Um, I, I guess I would stretch it to seven at this point because of the way they're, they're trading punches. And there's definitely a variability in Boston's performance that makes you wonder, like, should they be viewed as just like this 
you know, title contender, borderline powerhouse, but they have they have the deeper rotation. They have the more versatile lineups. I think that they, you know, and we've seen it, they've gone with one big a lot of the time because that can give Philly some problems. And I think that just, you know, over time, over the course of the full seven games, um, I think they're more likely to give you two really good trademark performances than Philadelphia's roster at this point. Dan, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. Have fun. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Our pleasure. Dan Favale, Bleacher Report. Excellent stuff. Read all his work at uh, Bleacher Report. Next segment, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to uh, some local roundup for today. Obviously, a little more on the Suns and the Nuggets uh, from Friday night and from last night. And uh, time pending, we'll get to some Diamondbacks stuff in the next segment. If not, we'll certainly get more Diamondbacks info in and uh, some conclusions from the weekend against the Nationals. If we don't get in the next segment, we'll get to that during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon right here after I'm done officially with the Sports Zone for today. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060, KSLUX HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it's phone call time to the KDUS Hotline 602. 260 1060 get your phone calls in just a couple of moments first up the uh, suns and nuggets are deadlocked after four games in their western conference semifinal uh, series because well let's start with the obvious devin booker has been incredibly efficient and uh, kevin durant has been getting to the free throw line booker's 83 points over the two wins and the two home wins on 43 field goal attempts he's made 34 of those He's also had 21 assists, including 12 on Sunday. That is a career playoff most for him. Durant had 75 points in the two wins, highlighted by 29 field goal attempts. Uh, excuse me, free throw attempts. And uh, 26 makes there. His field goal attempt uh, you know, efficiency was a little inconsistent. Uh, 12 of 31 on Friday night, 12 of 19 on Sunday. Uh, the, uh, this, the, the Sunday, I think there was a... I think the best way to assess that was the fact that uh, he did not have, uh, you know, basically Aaron Gordon was in foul trouble and not on Booker nearly as much on Sunday as he was on Friday night. Being Monty, Monty Williams, we talked about this uh, last Thursday, uh, that uh, he changes rotation. We knew he was going to change, and accounted, uh, it, really, it really paid off in both games. Landry Shamit, certainly a big part of well, yesterday's win, he had 19 points in 30 minutes. Uh, he made five threes. Also played some very good defense on Jamal Murray, who was dominant for three quarters Friday and Sunday. But Murray has struggled in the fourth quarter of uh, both those games that the Suns won. Meanwhile, on Friday night, T.J. Warren played 25 minutes. 
and he scored seven points on three of seven field goal attempts, but two of those makes were during the crunch time, really in the last two minutes of that game on Friday night. On Sunday night, Warren played 18 minutes, and he had uh, you know five points and two assists. He was again on the floor for uh, some of the fourth quarter. Terrence Ross. He had uh, he played 29 minutes over the two games, scored a total of 13 points on five of 14 shooting. I think most importantly, Josh Akogi, uh, who did start both games, played just 26 minutes total, and he had six points, three out of seven shooting, and he hasn't been on the floor hardly at all when it's mattered. Meanwhile, I'm a little baffled still about the lack of playing time for Torrey Craig, who uh, you know played less than one minute on Sunday, uh, and then also played only three minutes on Friday night. Campaign was okay in the two wins, starting for the uh, injured and sidelined Chris Paul. Payne on Friday night scored seven points. On Sunday, he had five points. Uh, he had ten assists in those two games. That's probably most surprising to me, but he's uh, not shooting well. Five out of 17 from the field, including an awful two out of nine from behind the arc in those games. You would think that that's going to have to get better. I'm not sure Chris Paul's status is for tomorrow night, but uh, we'll see how that goes. The bottom line, if the Suns win this series, they're likely going to need some contribution from Chris Paul. Coming up next tomorrow night at Denver against the Nuggets at 7 o'clock on uh, TNT. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. Bob, how you doing? How was the weekend? Good. Oh, it was okay. How are you? Um, hanging in. Got the stomach bug running through the kids and the in the house, mm. so it's always a always a joy. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of Hang stomach bugs, the uh, Diamondbacks pitching staff, holy cow. Um, you know, it's hard to criticize a team that, that won a series, which is, you know, all you try to do all year long. But I, I thought that was a poor series for, for them. You know, had to um, escape in the ninth uh, on Saturday. Yeah. And then... Mm-hmm. Yesterday's debacle um, after being up, uh, what is it, 8-5. Um, I think Chafin's being overused. Um, I think they're going to end up killing him. Um, but I don't think they have any other solutions to try and get out late in the game. And, um, it's hard for me to say that they can't contend for the playoffs because the National League is bad. But it's also hard for me to say that this pitching staff can get through 162 to a point where they can't contend for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, right now, I can't imagine that they'd make the playoffs with this pitching staff. Uh, yeah, Chafin you know, mainly has been not necessarily a left-handed specialist, but yep. pretty much a left-handed specialist. He certainly was before they changed the rules. And I'm thinking that the fact that he's had to face more right-handed hitters uh, that this is not working out. Also, I think the biggest thing here is that uh, Scott McGuff is terrible. Um, oh, you know, I, I'm so sick of hearing this crap about he's having problems adjusting with the ball uh, from Japan to the U.S. We're way beyond that. He's a yep. ground ball pitcher. Uh, he allowed another home run on Saturday night. He's yep. now allowed five home runs this season. He has a 587 run average. Um, it, yeah, he's allowed five home runs in 15 of the third innings, and he's oh. supposedly a ground ball pitcher. Uh, and three of those home runs have really been in crucial situations. Yeah, they have. They're, yeah, it's just it, it, he, they, he can't be on the mound if they have a lead anywhere near, like, late in the game. 
Uh, so we'll see. But uh, and really, other than uh, obviously Gallon and then you know, Merrill Kelly, that was the best thing yeah. that happened. I think that the Diamondbacks yep. over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, he was tremendous. Second straight start. He hasn't walked guys, and that was his biggest problem uh, before the game at Colorado Absolutely. a couple of weeks ago. He went seven innings on Friday night. He only walked one, struck out ten. Now, granted, this is against the Nationals, who are 14th in the in the National League in runs scored. The sure. good news, I guess, is that they now play uh, the Marlins, who are dead last right. in the run scored in the, the National A's League after that. So. Well, I'm just doing. Uh, I'm talking national. Well, that's true. I'm talking right. National League, though. I mean, they're really right. bad. Yeah, yeah. The A's are kind of in four A ball right now. So, um, the Yankees, Bob. I, I want to talk a little bit about them, considering the injury uh, to Judge, considering um, that I don't think they're very good, and then mainly considering the fact that the bottom of the East is better than we thought it was, at least, at least initially through a month and a week or so. Um, are they in some long-term trouble? Because I tend to believe they are. I think they're in some trouble, but they've also had 14 different players on the injured list. Yep. 14? Uh, by comparison, the Blue Jays have had two uh, sure. so far this season. So I think it's kind of hard to judge it, but I don't know how okay. you're going to really figure it out because, you know, the situation we got, you know, Rodon's now got a – Chronic Oof. back problem, and uh, yeah. he's going for. Uh, he's, he, I don't know if he's already had the first quarter zone shot. They seemed to think it was going to be a series of quarter zone shots. Oh my um, gosh! So we'll see what's up with that. Judge is supposed to be back tomorrow. Uh, Severino is supposed to be back by maybe the end of the week. But I thought we heard that last week, and he didn't come <laughs> right. back. Right. Yep. I, and I know we uh, specifically kind of uh, caution teams about Carlos Rodon and. A long-term deal. I was I was kind of surprised it was the Yankees to take that uh, leap of faith. But um, ask Clayton Kershaw how back injuries are. It's it's not good. Right, and this wasn't even a problem. The back wasn't even a. Yep. Well, I shouldn't say it wasn't a problem. Maybe it was a we problem, but it, it wasn't. Was. Yep. It wasn't the problem when he started the season on the injured list. Yeah, absolutely agree. So. All right, Bob, I appreciate it, but I think the Mets kind of stink, um, so I'm encouraged to watch a lot of these other teams, specifically the – I'm enjoying watching the American League East a lot. Uh, it's an exciting division. Okay. I, I, unfortunately, I agree with you on the Mets. I don't know yeah. if you can uh, you know, suck it up enough to watch the Braves because they're like the most fun team the in baseball. They're really good, and it pains they're... me to say it, but they're really, really good. And now they're getting healthy. Yeah, so. it's scary. I I don't want to say the East is over, especially after what happened last year. But uh, I think we're it's over. We're approaching. Yeah, we're approaching being able to say it's over. Yeah, the Braves have been without their preferred shortstop for a chunk of the season, and Iglesias didn't even pitch until Friday or Thursday or Friday until in the last week. And it looks like Soroka could be back this week. I was able so. to catch a, a, a book I have prior to it being taken down right after. The Diaz news came up, so I have a uh, a decent amount on Atlanta plus one uh, thirty to win the NLE. So uh, I'm at least making something out of my misery. That's good. Make some money. That's a good. That's a good move on your part. Good objective viewpoint of things. So good job there. Appreciate it. Congratulations. We're we're proud of you, Matt. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Okay. Thanks. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show. 
We'll get to some national roundup that will certainly include some latest line info, uh, info he tried to say, uh, for the uh, NBA playoff games upcoming. There's been some action on the Warriors this morning. I have no idea why. I even tried to inquire, but I don't think we, unless somebody really knows something, which is entirely possible. Um, you know, there's a lot of twos popping up and two and a halfs worldwide in the uh, last uh, uh, hour and a half or so. So I'm not real sure what the heck's going on. This was a number that was three and a half pretty much everywhere for the first uh, you know few hours. The line was posted and it went down to three. The consensus line is still three, but twos and two and a halfs popping up. And uh, we'll get to some other games uh, for the NBA playoffs in the next segment. Easy Sports Talk with former NFL and MLB player Ed Smith and co-host Javon Adams airs Saturday mornings 10 to noon on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Okay, it's going to be rapid fire here. Final segment of today's Sports Zone. Let's get right to the NBA. Uh, tonight, uh, Miami hosting the Knicks and uh, Miami consensus you know, around the world, basically a four-point favorite as low as a uh, couple three, uh, four, couple fours in there. I don't see any three-and-a-halves now. Uh, high is four-and-a-half, low is four, consensus four. Also, game two tonight, as I mentioned, some twos and two-and-a-halves popping up here worldwide in the last hour or so. As the Lakers uh, host the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers' favored consensus will go with a three-point number in that game, total at 228. Uh, tomorrow night, Philadelphia is at Boston. The series now deadlocked at two. This seems to be pretty much everywhere. Seven is the uh, is the uh, almost everywhere. There's a couple seven and a halfs in Nevada, as far as uh, the Celtics are favored in this game tomorrow night in Boston. Total in this game is 214. And as far as tomorrow night in Denver, the Suns opened as a four-point underdog, and that game is up to five. I don't see a five-and-a-half, but it's pretty much five. Still a four-and-a-half, at least one four-and-a-half in the state of Nevada, but it seems to be pretty much five everywhere at this point worldwide as they look to – you know, take the lead in that series. Meanwhile, tonight, quickly, it looks like it's doubtful for the Celtics – um, excuse me, for the Knicks uh, against the Heat. Uh, he's certainly uh, been a valuable piece off their bench for them. He's been a little erratic, as have the Knicks, for that matter, in the postseason. And also one NBA note from the weekend, uh, kind of a follow-up from the end of last week, is Memphis is not going to have Dylan Brooks on their team next year. Apparently several teams are interested, including the Detroit Pistons were mentioned specifically in a couple of stories in the last couple of days. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Uh, next up will be uh, the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. I get to hang around and throw in a couple of hopefully witty comments at some strategical point. I'll try to talk a lot, and that increases my chances of witty comments if you talk. Uh, I'm not going to try to talk a lot because you know, Kayla's gig is to talk a lot the next two hours. You've, uh, this has been the Sports Zone. Shut up, Bob. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kep on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7.